You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, good morning, everybody. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name's Jake, and I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church, and so glad that you are joining us this morning, whether here in the room or via Zoom. We are really glad to gather together to worship our great God. And I hope that you all had a very happy Thanksgiving, got to eat all the food that you wanted to eat and all that kind of stuff. And now we should all notice that it is now officially okay to start celebrating Christmas. And so, you know, we try not to judge people in this church, but if you have already started celebrating Christmas prior to Thanksgiving, you might want to rethink your life, okay? But just, but now it's okay. Now we can actually celebrate Christmas. It's fitting. It's a good thing. In fact, my family, just something you should know about us, we love Christmas traditions. We, we just, like, this is one of my favorite times of the year. We have lots of traditions. Like, we, one of our traditions we're doing today, actually, like, I think if you really can it up, it might be three or four traditions rolled into one. So because we always get a real Christmas tree, we always do it the weekend after Thanksgiving. We make it a competition. So the kids and us and Chris and me, we, we, we go try to find the tree. Whoever finds the tree wins. You don't really win anything except bragging rights, but that matters. And then you get, we bring the tree home and then we always watch the movie Elf while we decorate the Christmas tree. And we're going to do all of that this afternoon. It's going to be awesome. I love Christmas traditions. And I don't know about y'all, but like, I think I love it because I grew up with a lot of Christmas traditions. My family did a bunch. One of my favorites as a family was that we would uh, uh, decorate our house with Christmas lights. We had a two-story house. So my dad would we'd get out on the first story, and then my dad would hoist me and my brother up onto the second story because we didn't have a ladder that would like we didn't have one of those big ladders he was, so we would like climb up on his leg and then he would just kind of push us up there and we we were like pretty like middle school and we're on the second story of our big house and and like it was awesome because we knew that we could die at any minute and that makes in middle school kids like that's excitement right and uh don't get any ideas camping and not but um so we'd get up there on this on this uh, on our second story roof, and we'd start. We were hanging over the side, right, to put on the Christmas lights, which was exciting. And then my mom was ter- scared to death of watching this, and so she. Our tradition was that she would be inside making Christmas fudge, and she would make the fudge. And then when the fudge was done, my dad would take fudge squares, and he'd go out to the front yard, and he would literally throw them up to us on the second story we would try to run and catch these and try not to like die so like I mean it was so exciting it's like chance of death for fudge chance of death for Christmas decoration we had such a great time it was one of my favorite traditions but my family also had one tradition around Christmas time that we hated but no matter what we did it always happened it doesn't matter how much we we wanted to avoid this one tradition it was like clockwork it would happen every single Christmas Eve. And this tradition was my brother Ben, who many of y'all know is part of our church, uh, he would throw up on Christmas Eve. 
Like literally every Christmas Eve for six years, the guy would get so excited. Like it was just, just really, he was overjoyed. He couldn't literally contain himself. He was so excited about Christmas Eve. And like we knew it was coming. We would talk to him about it. We'd be like, dude, you're going to throw up today. He's like, I'm not going to do it this year. And we're like, don't eat any sweets. Don't eat anything too rich. Like, like we start seeing him get excited. We'd be like, settle down, man. You're going to throw up. And it didn't matter what. He, he would throw up on Christmas Eve. It was, it was amazing. You know, I think about that, and this is, my, this is a little bit of a stretch for a transition, but uh, if you go with me, I think that Ben's response about Christmas is actually a pretty fitting response for Christians when it comes to Christmas, minus the throwing up. Like, don't go that far, but like to be that overjoyed about what we're celebrating come Christmas time, I think that's a fitting response for Christians. And this, uh, right now, starting today, we're going to start a series that we're calling The King Has Come. And in this series, we're going to be looking at why. Why is it a fitting response that we as Christians would be so excited about this time of year? And for those of you who aren't Christians yet, we, man, we love that you're here. Perhaps you're exploring the faith, checking this out. I hope that through this series, you'll get to see why we're so excited that the king has come and why this, this time of year really is uh, good news that brings great joy for all the people, including you. So in this series, here's what we're doing. We're, we're talking about, like I said, the king has come. And the reason we titled it that is because uh, that's what Christmas means. Did you know that? Like it, Jesus Christ means Jesus the king. Did you know that? Like, Christ is not Jesus' last name. He wasn't, he wasn't born to Joseph Christ and Mary Christ, and so then they named him Jesus Christ. Like, Christ is actually a, a word that we get from the Greek, the Greek word Christos, which means the anointed one or the anointed king. And so literally, Jesus Christ means Jesus the king. And Christmas means the king worship. Christ Mass, or the worship of the, the king. And so Christmas time, we celebrate that the king has come. And the reason why we celebrate it is because this king, Jesus, is not like any other king or ruler or president or authority. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at why that's true. We're going to look at evidence to see why that's true, that he's better, that he's superior He's so much better than any other king. But today, as kind of an intro to the series, I want to just take some time for us to just kind of get a big picture of why it's good news that the king has come. Like, what does it mean? What are the implications? What, like, let's get practical. Are there practical implications in our, for our life based on the fact that the king has come? See, the reason Ben would throw up every single Christmas Eve is because he knew Christmas meant he was going to get something he really wanted, right? That's what got him real excited. Well, friends, the reason why we can have so much joy at Christmas time is because of what it means that Christ has come. And today I want to help you see at least some of that. And so we're going to see that here's what it means. Because the king has come, we can have confidence, we can have comfort, and we can have conviction. 
So to do that, we're going to look at uh, one passage today, John chapter 1, verses 14 through 18. And we're really going to camp out in verse 14, but uh, we'll read through 18. I'll make some observations from here. So let's look at that together. If you want to go to that on your phone or whatever you use, also have the words up here for us to follow along. Let me read this. It says, uh, John chapter 1, starting verse 14, says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Skip to verse 16. It says, Out of his fullness we have all received grace and place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him know. Okay, the first thing that I want to point out for us this morning from this passage is that because the king has come, we can have confidence that we know what God is like. We can have confidence that we know what God is like. And Christian friends, if that doesn't strike you as a remarkable statement, then I fear you've grown too numb to this. Now, if you're exploring the Christian faith and you're skeptical about that statement, that's fine. I get that. Come, ask your questions. Let's explore. That's what we're going to do in this series. But, friends, I would much rather you have questions about this statement than yawn at it. See, uh, when jo- what John says here, when he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, that was probably the most profound and concise summary of what Christmas is all about. And when the original audience of John's gospel, both Jews and Greeks, heard this, it would have evoked a very strong reaction. For you see, uh, the concept of God's word was extremely important For the Jews, because they understood the reason that they could know God, the reason they could have knowledge of the transcendent God was because he would speak and speak through his word, through his word, through the prophets, through a burning bush on Mount Sinai. It was God's word that he would speak that made God knowable and relatable. It was a big deal to the Jews. But John wrote this uh, gospel account, eyewitness gospel account of Jesus' life, he wrote it originally in the Greek. And in Greek, this reads, uh, we, the logos became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Logos, that's the word we translate word, right? But logos was a very key, important word for the Greeks and the Romans because they had this concept that the uh, universe was not a chaos, but a cosmos, if you will. Like there was an order to it. And they used this word logos to speak of that order. It was this kind of philosophical term for them. It, it spoke to this, this, this order, this, 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 this alignment in the heart of the universe. And they believed that if they would align their lives with this order, things would go well for them. And so... For the Jews, the idea of the word, God's word, was was all about how the self-revelation of God, the way we could know God. And for the Greeks, the Logos was this sort of like this cosmic order at the heart of the universe. 
And here, John says, the word, the logos, became flesh, and he dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. And the Jews hearing that would have realized that John was saying that the way to know the knowable God was now to know this human being. And the Greeks and the Romans realized that he was saying the way to connect with and know the very heart of the cosmic center of the universe was to know this flesh and blood human being. See, it was and it still is an incredible statement. And as if to hammer home his point, John just adds verse 18 where he says, No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Which means because Jesus, the King, has come, we can have confidence that we know what God is like. And my invitation to you, friends, is to track along with us for the next four weeks as we look at the life of Jesus so that our confidence in what God is like will grow and will deepen during this series. And also my invitation for you is that I just want to strongly encourage you to read the Gospel of John this Christmas season. To take time in your, like begin your day, open up the word, read John, grow in your knowledge of what God is like. What God is like. See, because Jesus has come to make him known. All right, so that's the first point. That's the first incredible implication of the fact that the kingdom has come. We can know what God is like. We have confidence to know what God is like. But there's more. We can also, because the king has come, we can have comfort. Specifically, we can have comfort in our suffering because he knows what we are like. Because he knows what we are like. See, when John says the word became flesh and dwelt among us, he is saying that God became one of us. This is the glory of the incarnation, that God the Son would become human, that he would become one of us. And because he did, we can experience incredible comfort in the midst of hardships and sufferings, which I don't know about you, but I could use some of that this year, right? I think 2020 has left us all feeling beat up and battered and tired and, you know, tired of hardships. We could use some comfort well, because the king has come, we can have comfort in sufferings. And let me tell you why. First is because uh, we can be comforted because we can know that God cares for us. I say that because this, um, oftentimes when we're suffering, like when things are, you know, really hard, it's just natural, natural for us to ask the question, like, God, where are you? Do you even care about me? Do you even know what's going on? Are you just absent? I mean, we start asking those, those questions. so natural for us. And sometimes, you know, we'll have a, a, a well-meaning friend. They'll say something like, hey, hey, you know, you just got you, you to have faith. Like God's ways are mysterious. His ways are not our ways, right? And so you just, you know, like just hang in there. Trust him. Like I hear that and I think, man, why? Why should I trust him? How do I know that his ways are good? How do I know that he cares about me? When I look at my circumstances, there doesn't seem to be any proof of that. Well, friends, how can we know that God's good? How can we know that he cares about us? How can we know that he's trustworthy? Let me tell you how. Christmas. Christmas. See, for Christmas is a celebration that the King of Kings has come 
and has involved himself in this broken world and suffered tremendously as a result. Which means though we may still not know the exact reason why we are suffering at this point in time, we can know what isn't the reason. See, what isn't the reason is it's not because God doesn't care. See, Christmas tells us that God cares so much that he came after us. He entered into the brokenness with us. And so we can know it's, we're suffering. We can know, I don't know why, but I know why. I know, I know it's not because God doesn't care. And in that, there is comfort to be found. But the comfort actually goes deeper than that. For you see, uh, not only uh, do we, can we know that because Jesus has come that God cares for us, but we can also know that he knows how to care for us. See, I don't know if you've ever given this any thought, but I remember seeing the uh, undeniable classic, uh, Bruce Almighty, right? And um, thinking, man, I wonder what I would do if I was God. Have you ever had that thought? Uh, Just me? (laughs) There might might be an issue there. But uh, if I thought, if I was God, I'll tell you what I would do. Like, I would go to a really, like, important place, and I would uh, get everyone's attention, and I would shout. I would declare it. I would say, I am God. Yeah, you're not God. I am God. And then I would do some really cool miracles or, you know, all this crazy stuff to prove it, and then I'd probably sign some autographs. And then I would fly away. I also, when I was thinking about this, I think I would do the exact same thing if I was Superman, which is also weird, right? But anyways, that's what I would do. I'd make a big deal out of it if I was God. But you know what's wild? Jesus, who is God, like he sneaks into the scene. Like he spends 30 years in obscurity. You ever wonder why? Like 30 years hardship, 30 years of, of dealing with family, 30 years of working a job. 30 years of just being human. Why in the world? I think there's two big reasons. One is because uh, he wanted to be with us. I think the other reason is because uh, he wanted us to know that he knew what it was like to be us. See, uh, in Hebrews 2, we're told that because Jesus has suffered like we have suffered, he is a faithful high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. So not only does Christmas mean that God cares about us, but it also means that God knows how to care for us because he became one of us. Now, can you see the comfort that's found there in the face of suffering? Dorothy Sayers captures this in the English author. She says this. She says, the incarnation means that for whatever reason, God chose to make man as he is, limited in suffering, subject to sorrows and death. For whatever reason, God made us that way. He says, at least he had the honesty and the courage to take his own medicine. He can exact nothing from man that he has not exacted from himself. He has himself gone through the whole of human experience from the trivial irritations of family life and the cramping restrictions of hard work and lack of money to the worst horrors of pain and humiliation, defeat, despair, and death. He was born in poverty. He died in disgrace. He suffered infinite pain. All for us. He thought it well worthwhile. You see, friends, if you're going through something hard, and some well-meaning person 
who has never experienced what you are experiencing comes to you and says, hey, you're going to get through it. Just hang in there. It's really easy to brush that off. In fact, it's easy to get irritated at them, to think, woo, to think, you have no idea what I'm going through. But if someone comes to you who has been where you are now, who's walked through it, and then their experience was actually even harder or rougher than yours, and they sit down beside you and they say, hey, you're going to get through it. Hang in there. And they tell you about their experience. Gosh, is there not incredible comfort to be found there? Does it not make you feel stronger? Does it not encourage you? Well, friends, look at Jesus if you want comfort in your suffering. See, he's been in every darkness you have been through and more. You feel alone and misunderstood? So was he. Have you been betrayed? So was he. Are you destitute? Are you facing death? So was he. Are you saying, but I just feel like God has abandoned me. Look at Jesus on the cross. So did he. You think, well, I just am praying and praying. It doesn't feel like God is coming through. He's not hearing my prayers. Look at Jesus in the garden. So did he. See, every place you could go, he's been there. Every darkness you can ever be in, he has been there and more. And he did it all for you and for me. He can comfort you in your suffering for he knows what you are like and he has been where you have been for the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Do you need comfort? Go to him, friends. He understands you. He's been where you are. Go to him and let him comfort you for he cares about you and he knows how to care for you. And that's going to help you get through life well. See, the king has come so we can have confidence that we know what God is like and we can have comfort because he knows what we are like. And then finally, we have conviction to love and serve others like he's loved and served us. You see, at the end of verse 14, we read this. He says, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from, highlight that, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, when we say that the king has come, that also implies that he left where he was. He left that the throne. He left the right hand of the Father. He came from the Father. He came into this broken world. Even though, in doing so, it would make him incredibly vulnerable and ultimately lead to his death. See, as I was preparing for this sermon series, I listened to a, a uh, sermon by Tim Keller. No surprise there if you know me well. I love Tim Keller. And uh, he uh, was given a talk on the incarnation of Jesus. And in this sermon, he shared about this infamous uh, 1964 murder of Kitty Genovese. Perhaps you know the story uh, from your Psychology 101 class, right? Because uh, this case prompted research into what's now called the bystander effect. Now, because uh, we have kids in the room, I'm not going to share the details of the case. Uh, but the short of it was that she was stabbed outside of her apartment complex in Queens. 
And though she cried for help for about 30 minutes, no one came down to help her, and eventually she died. And when the uh, public got word of this story, everyone was just outraged, and they just wanted to know, like, why didn't no one come down to help her? And the New York Times interviewed people in the apartment complex, and one of the most famous interviews that came out of this was that uh, one anonymous person just said, uh, you know, when asked, why didn't you do anything when you heard the screams? They said, well, I just didn't want to get involved. I didn't want to get involved. Like, man, why didn't you want to get involved? Well, it's because, you know, if I went down there when it was happening, the perpetrator could turn on me. Or if it was afterwards, then the perpetrator might find out I helped. Or, you know, the, if I call the police, the police might want to question me. I might not want to be questioned by the police, you know. I don't want, might not want to say what I was doing during that time. I mean, it just could complicate my life. I just don't want to get involved. And then uh, in, in the sermon that Keller was giving, when he talked that story, he, he made this uh, observation. He said, um, you know, getting involved makes you vulnerable, and it makes you uncomfortable. But, but uh, Christmas is the declaration that God willingly got involved. I thought that was so good. Christmas is the declaration that God willingly got involved. <laughs> the stand is killing me. <laughs> so God the Son, the King, he, he came down. He got involved. That even though he knew that in doing so, he would be killed. But as a result of his great love for us, he came anyway. He entered our broken world. He suffered and he died so that we can be reconciled to God and so that this world can ultimately be restored. It can be made new. Friends, that's what our God is like. Remember point one? We can have confidence we know what God's like because of Jesus. This is what Jesus shows us God is like. It's amazing. It's incredible. He came down. He got involved. It made him vulnerable and uncomfortable and ultimately meant that he would die in order to save us and restore the world. And when we realize that this is what Jesus Christ has done for us, it will rightly move us, convict us to do the same for others. Not in order to get God to love and serve us. That's what he's already done. No, in response to his love and service, we are moved to love and serve others like he has loved and served us. For as Jesus said in John 13, 34, which is like the theme verse for our church this year, he says, love one another as I have loved you, you must love one another. So the truth is that the king has come to love and serve you to the point of dying for you so you can be forgiven and adopted into his family reconciled to him and promised a restored creation to be spent with him for all of eternity. That's how he's loved and served you. I mean, it's much more than that, but it, those are some highlights. But that should result in a great conviction for you and for me, shouldn't it? To get involved in loving and serving others, even to the point of vulnerability, for this is how he's loved and served us. And so let me ask you, friends, as we head into Christmas season, in light of how we've been loved and served by Christ, are you loving and serving others to the point of vulnerability? Are you loving and serving others like Jesus has loved and served you? Or are you just giving a little bit of your time or only when it's convenient? Like, let, me, let me step on some toes here. Um, what about giving, right? 
Uh, this Tuesday is Giving Tuesday, right? I'm sure you heard of it. I've got like a thousand emails from all kinds of different organizations. Hey, this Tuesday is a great time to give to organizations that care for the marginalized, that will advance the gospel through our world. I mean, it's also a great time you can give to Midtown. It's been a poor giving fall so far, but this isn't a plug to give to Midtown. It's really just talking about, like, are we actually serving, loving, serving like Jesus has loved and served us? And we start talking about that practically. We get to the topic of money, and then we ask, okay, when it comes to giving, do we just give what's comfortable? There's so many people, and I've been there, right, where just, I give from my excess, it rarely costs me anything. It certainly doesn't make me vulnerable. It doesn't make me uncomfortable, the level of giving that I'm doing. It's like, okay, no, I just worked that in. It's not going to affect my bottom line. It's not going to check my investments or my, my, my savings or kind of my lifestyle. But aren't you so glad that that's not how Jesus gave, how God the Father gave? He gave to the point of being vulnerable. He gave to the point of dying. Because what, what if we did that? What if we saw how we have been served by God and we said, okay, I'm going to love and serve in kind. I'm going to give to the point of it making me uncomfortable. I'm going to give to the point of it making me feel a bit vulnerable. And when I'm not going to have as much savings or investments or my lifestyle will actually be cramped. I will feel it, but I'm going to love like Jesus. And so I'm going to give and I'm going to give and I'm going to give until I'm loving like Jesus has loved me. <laughs> or let, let's take another topic. What about missions? Like we've been talking about that as a church for the last month, right? Global outreach. I mean, we as a church, we have this big vision, this dream. We say we, we long to see the day when every man, woman, and child has heard the gospel from someone who loves them. How in the world is that going to happen if we don't get vulnerable? <laughs> we don't willingly go out of our comfort zones. We have to actually talk about Jesus. You know, like this inc <laughs> the most incredible person ever who loved and served us. We, 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 take, we got to open up our mouth and talk to others about him. Tell others how the, he has loved and served them as well. But man, that, that, that feels risky. It feels oh, so, so uncomfortable. <laughs> That's how he's loved and served us, friends. Let's go. And love and serve others in kind. And certainly COVID makes that trickier. I mean, I'm not just like speaking idealistically. I know it's hard, but guys, y'all are smart. You can figure it out. How to love and serve your neighbors, your coworkers, your classmates, your family. During this time, to be able to point them to Jesus who's loved and served them. You can figure out a way. It might make you uncomfortable. Good. That's how Jesus has loved and served you. Invite them over at a time and around the fire pit. Look for those who are lonely. So many people are so stinking lonely right now. Let's go. Let's find them. Let's serve them like Jesus has served us. Let's take the time to tell them about him. We've highlighted serving international students. This is a great time to do that. Find a way to get connected to Bridges International. Talk to Matt Rod. He, he will help you get connected. Invite an international student over. Celebrate Christmas. Have a Christmas meal. Do it outside. Do whatever you need to do. Make it safe. But like, man, people are lonely. Let's love and serve. That's how we've been loved and served. I could keep going on. But like, this is the point. It's like, there is conviction found here. See, there's incredible confidence 
Because the king has come, we have confidence. We know what God's like. And guys, this is what he is like. He's loved and served you to this extreme. He died for you. He died for me on the cross. He was our substitute. It's through his death and his resurrection we are reconciled to God. It's amazing. That's what he's like. We can have confidence that we know what God's like because Jesus came. And we can have comfort in our suffering. Because he came. And so in coming, we know that he cares about us and he knows how to care for us because he became one of us. But there's also conviction here that he would love and serve us this way. Let's go love and serve others like he's loved and served you and me. As if we do that, if we do that, if we live in light of the fact that the king has come, oh man, so much joy. So much comfort for us and for others because we can take this good news of great joy to all the people that they can know it too. Let me pray and then let's worship our God. Father God, as Robert mentioned earlier, like, Lord, you tell us that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only son. Whoever believed in him should not perish but live have everlasting life. God, we thank you for that incredible news. And God, we, we pray that you would help us live in light of the fact that the king has come. Or that you would help us have the confidence that we know what you're like. It's incredible. And Lord, that we, many of us, really need your comfort right now. God, that you would comfort us with the truth that you've been where we are. And that we would run to you, that we would go to you. And God, would you, would you, in your grace, this passage talks about your grace upon grace, so in your gracious way, would you convict us? Would you compel us? We're not in a place of trying to earn something from you, but completely in light of what we have received graciously from you. How you have first loved and served us, would you then compel us to go and love and serve others, that we would get involved even to the point of vulnerability, that people could know you, experience the joy that we have in Christ. We love you, God. Thank you for how you love us. Christ, and we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.